0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Folks, the Airline Radio Hour proudly presents another episode of Airline Talk, News and History. Wow, we've got a lineup for you today that even Johnny Carson would be proud of. We've got great guests, history, and memories by former employees of the airlines that are included in our broadcast. My name is Neil Holland. I'm a retired captain of Eastern Airlines and producer of the show, and if you're listening in on the show's website, www.blogtalkradio.com, cap, forward slash Captain Eddie, and would like to call in and talk with our guest and host, or to add your comments, you can dial 213-816-1611. The producers will see your number, the producer, me, will see your number on the callers board and open your microphone, which is your telephone, to bring you into the conversation. Now, let me repeat the number again. It's area code 213-816-1611, and we are a satellite-based radio show, and it's carried around the world, believe it or not, and over 50 countries listen in regularly, and for the first time this past week, we had South Africa tuning us in. We've been doing this for over 11 years now, and if you would like to listen to any of our previous shows, nearly 700, now you can go to the web address I just gave you. That, again, is blogtalkradio.com forward slash C-A-P-T-E-D-D-I-E, and choose any show from this show to back 11 years ago when it all began. Right, Margaret? Well, Margaret might not be there. <laughs> okay. Now, Captain Jim Holder, uh, we're going to Im- introduce our guest here. And first of all, I'm going to see if I can retrieve Margaret here somehow or another. I don't think she's uh... – oh, there. That's the reason uh, she hasn't uh... – now your your microphone is not muted. Margaret, say hello. Hello,
2: everyone. Hi, Captain Neil.
1: And answer my question if you can remember it, <laughs> which Oh, that's all the
2: 700 episodes?
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: I can definitely remember. We had a lot of fun uh, at the early days, and we still have fun now, thanks to all the wonderful co-hosts that you have on the show. But I definitely remember all those funny, funny skits we used to do
1: and it sure technically it sure hasn't improved very much over the years.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh well. <laughs> oh well.
1: Okay. Now I'm going to talk to our host. Uh, uh, we got Jim Holder in Atlanta. I want to open some phones. I think I've got you muted Jim Holder and start uh, opening microphones here. I've got a board full and and we'll get into our show. Hello Jim.
0: Hello,
3: hello, hello from the Atlanta area, Jim Holder. Okay,
1: uh, and then up we'll go up to Toronto. Let's see if I got uh, Brenda's microphone. Brenda Chevot. Hello, Brenda.
4: Hello.
0: Hello,
4: everyone.
1: I uh, hope it's not snowing there now.
4: <laughs> it is sunny and bright and hot and humid. Okay.
1: Are you in Florida? Are you sure you're in Canada?
0: <laughs> oh, no, I'm here. Okay. Canada. Well, let's go on
1: and see who else is with us here. We've got a like I say a whole board uh, oh uh, you're with Ward Air I want to mention yeah. the airline that you were with formerly uh, and uh, Ward Air is no longer in business but you flew yeah. the beautiful 747s and other aircraft with Ward Air up in Canada yeah,
4: DC-10s yeah, yeah, we just had four 747s and three DC-10s okay, and it was all good. international it was a yeah. wonderful time
1: and of course, Toronto was one of my favorite Canadian layover cities. Okay, now uh, let's move to Texas. Let's say hello to Jim Harris. Jim, is your microphone open?
5: Hello, greetings from Dripping uh-huh. Springs, Texas. Dripping Springs. I'm out here enjoying the. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm out here enjoying the decent weather. It was 115 on my patio yesterday in the shade. Oh my God! <laughs> yep. Yeah. Anyway, I like summer, but this is, a, I've enjoyed about it all of it I can stand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all
0: right.
5: Okay.
1: Now, let's see. Uh, over in Pensacola area, Pace, Florida. Golly, I used to live in yeah. uh, Santa Rosa County. Hello, Margaret. Margaret Bars. Hey. Hey
2: again. And just want to let you know, I do have Luann here, so she'll be joining us in just a moment or two.
6: Well, she
1: can say hello, can't she?
2: Just a minute, let me open the door. I locked her out. Let me. Okay. Lock her hey,
1: uh, hey, Captain
2: Neal and co-host Margaret locks me out all the time. I don't know why. I mean. I I think I add a little something to the show for gosh sake.
0: Anyway, hello everybody. <laughs> hello.
1: Okay. Uh and let's see we uh is um uh uh Jose, Jose, are you with us? Nope, he's not. Well, uh, okay, let's see who else I see. Leanne Rutledge. Now, Leanne is new with us for the first time, and we'll tell you a little bit more, and she can tell you a little bit more about it later in the show. Hello, Leanne. I mean, Leanne, excuse me.
7: Leanne. <laughs> hey, how are you?
1: <laughs> We're doing fine. Where are you? In
7: salem North Carolina.
1: All right. Good old Carolina. That's my home state, by the way. I think I told you. That's the you. best. Uh, yeah, there you go. Well, Florida's not bad right now. But at any anyway. rate, and I see others on my producer's board, and I want to say, I hope, uh, Ron, are you with us in area code, no? Yeah, 305. Yes, yes. Ron Infantino. Yes, yes
6: Captain
1: Neal, yes I am. Thank you. Oh, good, good, good. And I've got a caller from area code 908. Hello, area code 908. Would you like to say hello?
0: Hello,
8: this is Sharon Moore in Somerset, New Jersey. Wow.
1: Okay, Sharon, good to see your name on the board and good you're with us. Thank you.
0: Hi, Sharon. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Hi. Okay.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, let's move on into the show here. Anybody have anything to say?
2: Uh, hey, Captain Neal. How uh, can yeah. I just jump in here? It's Luanne again. Um, I just wanted you to know that Margaret has some interesting questions for the host (laughs) and the listeners that she'd like to ask. But, you know, she's such a scaredy cat. She's afraid to ask you on her own if she could have permission to stop the host. She had some emails from several folks wanting to know the answers. Now, you know I could do this myself, but I have to admit she does have a better way of speaking English. (laughs) <laughs> that's, en- that's enough, Lou Ann. Let Captain Neil do the show.
1: Well, I think this is as good a way to start the show as any. So, Margaret, what do you have for us?
2: Well, okay. Uh, I did receive some questions from some uh, of our listeners by email, and I promise these will be short. So co-host, get ready to answer. Now the first question we have is from a Mike Jones, and Mike asks, "What does the propeller do on a plane? Does anyone know?"
3: Well, it pulls it along quite nicely, (laughs)
0: like
3: a propeller pushes it. It
0: spins. <laughs>
3: yeah. Well Trans fast says, you go fast. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> Those are all correct, but Mike's answer was it keeps the pilot cool. If you think I'm wrong, <laughs> stop it and watch him sweat.
3: Golly.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: now, we had another email. I love these. They came in. So Judy Noble asks, How often do planes crash?
4: Just one.
0: Just <laughs> one. Oh, you got it. Very
2: <laughs> good. So that's one for our co host and one for the uh callers that, who called in with his questions. Uh Cheryl Campbell asks, What's the difference between an optimist and a pessimist as it relates to airplanes?
0: Um. <laughs> An optimist was to
7: take off and a pessimist is considering the fact that it might not.
0: <laughs> is that That's close. close. <laughs>
2: uh, her answer was an optimist designed the airplane and a pessimist put in the seatbelts. <laughs> um,
3: what
0: is there another one? <laughs> oh, there's two more, sorry <laughs> Anyway,
2: Wayne Puget, uh Wants to know And now this might be a tricky one And I laugh every time I read this one So I'm going to try not to uh, But who invented The first airplane That could not fly
8: Howard Hughes
0: uh,
2: That was good, yeah Well <laughs> Her, his answer, rather, for this one was the wrong brothers, not the right brothers.
0: The wrong brothers. Okay. Oh. Okay. Okay. Uh.
2: Do I get do I get paid for doing these, Captain Neil? Really? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You get a bonus. Okay.
0: okay, thank you.
2: Just wanted to know. And last but not least, from a Mister Charles Hayes, what do you get if you cross a snake and a plane?
0: Now,
3: that's a tough one.
2: It is. I'll just go ahead and shortcut that one for you. A Boeing constrictor.
3: <laughs> okay. Boeing oh. Yeah, you don't have to think about that.
0: Explain that
3: to me after the show, okay? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, Margaret, since you got to joke around, I want to tell our listeners that we've had so much rain here in the Florida panhandle. That when I was having lunch with one of my married girlfriends yesterday, she said, it's been raining so much in the last few days, and my poor husband seems so depressed about it. He just stands by the window staring, and she said, I'm telling you, if it continues raining, I'm going to have to let that poor man come in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you
2: like my job because I thought I was doing just as good as Margaret. But anyway, take
1: it away, Neil. Well, I didn't even need a uh a laugh clip, sound clip there. So thank you a lot, <laughs> Margaret, for for those uh, questions. And uh yeah, uh, uh That explains a lot in aviation, for sure. Uh, Thanks, ladies. We needed that humor to put a smile on on our faces, and I can see you're all smiling now all the way through the the cyber lines up the space and back down to your house. Does anyone have something to add to this show that might be a little bit more
5: serious,
4: please? I have a couple of things I'd like to throw out for discussion, Neil. Now, that's at some point, not necessarily on this show, so as not to hog the airtime. But I'll just throw a few things out here. Do you think the new, very casual uniforms for cabin crew are appropriate? And what message does this casual send to passengers? The next thing is, is cabin crew training addressing the issue of resilience? or more importantly, lack of resilience during or after emergency events? The next one is, how can cabin crew training departments offset the me-first attitude in new trainees that come from that me-first generation? Meaning that if the plane's on fire, they can stand at that door and say, I'm getting paid such crap for this, I'm jumping out first. (laughs) <laughs> Think cabin crew crew training has any effect on a safe and uneventful flight? So these are just thoughts on future safety in the cabin, and I hope others feel that these are worth discussing. Back to the uniforms. Yeah. You know, they just—I looked it up. Just you know, uniform psychology, and it basically says you know uniforms ensure that all persons in any given workspace are identifiable as employees and not customers or outsiders. This is especially important in areas of public safety. And the last one is uniform is a situational variable affecting obedience. This is because authority figures often wear clothes that symbolize their position of authority. And now we've got several airlines coming out with them wearing golf shirts, uh, gym uh, jackets that you'd wear to a gym, shorts, running shoes, and I just worry in a situation, they're just going to look, a passenger could be wearing exactly the same thing. Any thoughts?
1: Yeah, I've got one. Uh, I, th- I think, first of all, mm-hmm. it's better than, I, I, I'm glad they're, they're not dressing them up as fire firemen. <laughs> you know, and, uh, <laughs>
0: well,
7: they, uh, but like anyway, The main, unit, the main yeah. uniform that they came up with when U.S. Airways, a part of more than half of the flights were allergic to the material because it had formaldehyde in it. So they yes, continued to use their American and their U.S. Air uniforms, and they have not solved that problem yet. But
1: yes. didn't Southwest yes. Airlines, Brenda, weren't they really the first ones to go casual?
4: There's yes. been a few small ones, yes. Well, that's not a huge airline, I guess. But, yes, that's decided to do that. We had one new airline up and coming in Canada that didn't really didn't really make it. <laughs> anyway, they decided. Have you guys heard of Tilly Endurables? The Tilly hats, you know, the one that the elephant can eat and then poop out, and it's still good.
0: <laughs> anyway, oh. they went with Tilly outfits.
9: <laughs> and then
0: they had <laughs> and, uh, to put it on their head. <laughs> oh <laughs> my! <I know. laughs> but anyway,
4: yes. So it's just um, not only that, but how can a flight attendant? feel proud. You feel proud in your uniform and you're, you're recognizable. And this whole, why do policemen wear uniforms? You know, do you want them? Like look what happened with the nursing profession when they went to wearing scrubs, they they look like it could be a janitor. They all wear the Mm -hmm. same, the kitchen staff, janitors, doctors, nurses, and it lowers risk for the physician.
1: Well, you know, brother. So
4: obviously it, it, I have a lot of thoughts.
1: <laughs> well, it brings to my mind that uh, usually when the flight finishes uh, and you go to the layover hotel layover in the layover city, it would be strange to see the pilots in uniform walking uh, down the terminal with uh, you know, blue jeans, <laughs> uh, the flight attendants yeah. with blue jeans and cowboy outfits and what have you. And yeah. Uh, Uh, I hadn't even thought about that until until you were talking about it. I would be embarrassed.
4: Yeah, we look at all the, you know, uh, disrespect, the lack of um, following rules on airplanes. Well, come on. (laughs) This is just feeding into it.
1: Yeah. yeah.
8: Can I say something? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Leanne. Um, Well, I flew for Eastern for 22 years, and we did wear lacrosse dresses at one point. You know, the dresses for summer and different shades of tail. Yeah. Yeah. And they were comfortable, you know. This is Sharon. This is Sharon, yeah. And then when I went back to nursing uh, many times, We would wear uh, scrubs, but after we got to the hospital, because of germs, we didn't want to bring them into the hospital with street clothes or uniforms from home because some people are more sanitary than others. So, And then we tried, I remember, too, speaking about the uniforms and the different uh, departments would wear different color scrubs. That's how we knew them apart
0: yeah
4: right that would help you know but but as far as flying i mean seeing your cabin crew in running shoes and that's what these are running shoes Uh and shorts and um like i say you know the golf t-shirts with the three buttons down the front for women and men it's just
8: it's awful it takes away the whole i don't know in the, 60s, in the 60s and 70s, we wear those hot pants. I only wore them once because
0: <laughs> cause they were a little
8: too much.
1: A little <laughs> yeah. bit too hot.
8: <laughs> yeah, too okay. hot. It's not good. Well, <laughs>
1: I see I see Jim Holder's is- hand raised
3: over there. What you got, Jim?
8: Oh, you
3: got any Anderson Airlines commercials? I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble keeping up with these panties.
0: Yeah, here's one for
10: you. Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius.
11: Real Men of Genius.
10: Today we salute you, Mr. Airport Baggage Handler.
11: Mr. Airport Baggage Handler.
10: Why just set a bag down when you can throw it, kick it, or simply... Ignore it. SFO, ORD, LAX. The complex airport codes are almost unsolvable. But that's okay, because thanks to you, everything's going to Tulsa. When comforting a traveler about a lost bag or a treasured family pet, you need only remember three simple words. Airline not responsible. So crack open an ice cold Bud Light, oh king of the carousel. You give us all a reason to carry on.
0: Mr. Airport, man, you Bud Light Beer at Isaac Bush, St. Louis, Missouri. <laughs>
10: that
0: is the best. <laughs> mm. I <love> that
7: one. <laughs> oh, golly. Oh God! So, <laughs> Perfect. I was wondering if I could say something. Um, yeah, <laughs> I never could figure out why they would put flight attendants in a white shirt. And I had two foot surgeries from wearing high heels that were two inches high. Um, so I do understand a more casual um, approach to flying, and I think that a white shirt and um uh, a tough scarf bit too tight or working all day in high heels is
4: just it's just not very practical. Yeah. We and never okay. had to. We had what was called galley shoes. And for boarding we had to wear our high heels. But the minute we boarded the passengers we went and we took them off and put on our galley shoes which were like a, a low heel, very low heel pump and very comfortable. So you still looked professional.
7: Yeah, running shoes. We not allowed to, to do that when I was when I was gone. You had to you had to keep your heels on, and like I said, yeah, it was that all, you know. Yeah, well, in nineteen
4: seventy
7: eight. We,
1: we might we might have to do a complete show on, uh, AV, uh airline apparel. So, uh, but uh, we've got to move on. We got some other things to talk about, and Margaret, I think you have something for us.
2: I do, Captain Neil. Um, Uh, You know, earlier you sent out all the hosts asking for topics for discussion or for future shows. So I'd like to read some of them to see if there are any that we could talk about on today's show, uh, as we've already started. Now for the host, if you would select one of these I'm about to read, perhaps we can briefly discuss your question. And this is a long list. Uh, Number one, do you agree with the technologies that will replace pilots in the future? Why? Why not? Do you believe four-engine airplanes will still be flying in the future? Do you believe pilots will be replaced by computers in the future? Do you think there will be one pilot in the cockpit in the near future? Why? Why not? How do you see the displays in the cockpit in the next 10 years? How do you think airspace will be managed in 20 years? How do you think cockpits will change in the next 20 years? How do you think commercial airliners will change as to cabin passenger service? How will a pilot's job change in the future? How will air traffic control change over the next years? How will future aircraft be? How will future cockpits be? How will the cabin interiors change in future aircraft design? In your opinion, how will airspace be in the next 20 years? What are the biggest challenges the aviation industry will have to face from now on? Will robotics replace the role of flight attendant service? What are your plans in aviation for the next 10 years? What changes do you think aircraft will undergo in the future? What do you think about phraseology and communication in the next 10 years? What do you think about the aviation industry developments for the next 10 years? What do you think about the job opportunities for flight attendants in the future? What do you think will happen in relation to job opportunities for pilots, flight attendants, mechanics, reservations? What should companies do to improve their pilots' training? What technological changes do you think the aviation industry will see in the next 10 years? What will aviation be like in 10 years, in your opinion? When will be your next flight? When will we fly electrical airplanes? Will manufacturers keep producing narrow-body airplanes? And last but not least, will the computers help or not in the next 5 to 10 years in the cockpit? Okay, okay, so let's see who wants to start with his or her selection.
4: I'll start with number 16. Will robotics mm-hmm. replace the role of flight attendant service? No.
0: Yes.
4: Um, the airlines are not going to pay for a robot, as we have in restaurants now, going up and da- down serving the aisles, because the flight attendant role is to help passengers evacuate, to help with medical emergencies to um, put fires out uh, and many other things. So they're gonna need them in the cabin anyway. So they're not gonna have them sitting in their jump seat for the whole flight when something might not go wrong. So no, I don't think robots will replace flight attendants. Mm
2: -hmm. That's mine. Okay, Neil, I'll let you take it there. You can call out the host individually.
1: Okay, okay. I hear a lot of ice being put in glasses. Well, what are we drinking now? Uh, j- the gin time doesn't start. The martini time doesn't start till 5 o'clock. Somebody's getting a head start here. <laughs> so, you know, in Kitchen Table Radio, or either kitchen, as I'm about to call this, Chicken Soup Radio, uh we we can't filter out sounds in the background so if you are inclined to eat potato chips or either <laughs> drink ice cube uh beverages with ice cubes uh put your phone on mute that would be uh, that would be great but uh i'm trying to weed it out and sometimes i i uh, click the wrong button but i'm going to open up a few of these microphones and so that's just a suggestion so we uh, all don't get thirsty or hungry at the same time. Uh, let's see. Uh, how about uh, Jim Harris? Do you do you have one that you've chosen, or or just want to pass? Well, I'm
5: I'm still thinking about the uniform thing, flight attendant uniforms. And I got hired in 1966, and at the time, the flight attendants had these great looking uniforms, a summer uniform. It it was a a nice, authoritative type uniform. Everybody knew who you were, and the same thing with the winter uniforms. Yeah. So. Yeah. And and I was impressed with that, and I think that's this casual approach. I don't like. Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't. That's like my. That's (laughs) like myself. I would never show up wearing blue jeans to fly the airplane. Yep. (laughs) I think I think the uniforms that we had, they looked great. And they were authoritative, and uh, I was always proud to put the uniform on.
1: And you know, Jim, some of the greatest designers in New York designed these uniforms for our uh, flight cabin crew members, and, yeah. and I'm sure they did with uh, with the other airlines like Ward Airline and all the other carriers.
5: Yeah, Alitalia, Air France.
1: Yeah.
5: yeah. Do you remember the funny-looking uniforms that Braniff had when it had all the colors?
0: Yeah,
1: yes. yeah, we talked about that a few weeks ago.
5: Okay. Oh, okay,
3: now let's
1: see. Jim Holder, do you have a favorite? Uh, I mean, uh, Yes,
3: I, yes, yes, I do. I will uh, tell you, though, first, I'm usually a guilty one with ice cubes and potato chips but and popsicles, but it wasn't me today, not today. I'm pure as a driven snow. I'm okay. going to go up and take number 20, 27. When will we fly electrical airplanes? Well, that's an easy one to answer. Never, cause that's right, they never to batteries in them. Batteries, and they you, know, you may find some little something that other to fly around the airport about thirty minutes and land, and that, that, that couldn't even hold a, a co-pilot. That'd be one pilot. And extension cords. That that idea ain't even gonna get <laughs> off the ground you
0: know, for that but
3: extension cords. And if they do have rechargers out there on the wings, you know, like people are putting on their houses now, what are they going to do when they they can't fly at night? They, all the airplanes would have to sit and wait for the sun to come up. And if the sun does come up, you got clouds, you got the same damn problem again. It ain't going to happen, Coach. Don't put me in. <laughs> and the power grid is so weak now.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: okay. Now now it, this is open to everyone. So so uh the, the Sharon and Leanne and uh Beverly and and Ron just uh you know chime in if you have one of the favorites if you can remember all of those that we asked. But uh yeah. This is good. I like uh, this. I just
7: I told, can this I just lay I told Neil over the phone the other day that we were taxiing out one day on the 7th on a YS-11, which was a twin prop Japanese airplane. And there was a lady standing up holding on to the, uh, what would be the overhead bin space. Now, we're taxiing on an empty taxiway. She's standing up, and I said, "Mammy, you need to sit down. And she said, I always stand up on the subway. <laughs> this is to she's
0: probably
1: she's probably reading a newspaper too
0: probably was. Uh, that's
1: a good one <laughs> Someone else was, was there with you leanne who else uh, just has
7: um no one. I had lunch yesterday with Kim Batinger. Her father was the captain on 401 that went down the Everglades, Captain Loft. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, Beverly, Kim, I don't know mm-hmm. if
1: you you know that uh, Beverly uh, Leanne mm-hmm. told me earlier that she thought that she had uh, flown with uh, Kim Loft, uh, Bob uh-huh. Loft's father, and it turned out that she had. So she you had lunch with her uh. the other day.
7: I did. Uh, I had lunch with huh. you yesterday, and I think she'd be somebody very interesting to have on the show one day.
0: Yeah.
9: Okay. Oh, we'll that take, would be, give, yeah, yeah. Give that yeah. some
0: thought.
7: I would I have flown with him the next day.
1: You would have, okay.
9: I would have flown with him the next day if he had survived. I flew with him many times, and he... he now, is this, uh, is this Beverly? Yeah, this is Beverly. Beverly. Talking, I mean, okay. I had to check, you know, we had to check the, underneath the seat for the... the life uh, vest and all that. I mean, I I would have flown with him the next day if he survived.
0: um, Okay.
9: Yeah. Please let her know. He was great. Absolutely. Okay. Any
1: other comments before we move on?
9: Well, can
8: I say something? Sure. Sharon?
1: Sharon. All right.
8: I fly 26401 all the time uh, because a lot of the girls... Uh, Flight attendants that flew it had children, and they wanted to do a turnaround. We did three on, three off. And I remember I used to take turns with, and I forget her name, but we used to take turns working in the galley on that L-1011. And we used to change into jeans because we had to crawl over those carts. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, we would change when we were down there in the galley, and then when we, when we wanted to come up to first class or whatever, we wore our apron so they wouldn't know who we were or what we
0: were.
7: <laughs> <laughs> <you go>. <laughs> <laughs> the on there, was so hot, we used to take our skirts completely off, and wear our right. serving smacks with our uniform.
1: Well, <laughs> now I've got to tell my first. <laughs> A funny thing that happened to me as a brand spanking new co-pilot back in 1963, we had a trip uh, that left Washington, made about 100 stops down to Miami on a Convair 440, laid over. That's where I was living at the time, so I, I just went home. But uh, the next morning, checking in at uh, 6.30 in the morning, it, uh, you parked outside. Uh, there was a fence separating the airport, the aircraft, the eastern side, and the cars were right on the other side of that fence. And uh, you park your car and go into operations and, and get ready for your flight. Well, I uh, went in and met the captain. Uh, I went out, told the captain I was going to go out and pre-flight the airplane went out and there had been a rain shower, I mean a thunder bumper, that had emptied the skies right in the parking lot and on that Convair 440 sitting there on the ramp. And when I walked up those stairs, here I see this flight attendant in a bra and a half slip. (laughs) Now I'm pausing there. I'm pausing there to get some kind of reaction. True story, guys. True story. A bra and a half slip.
0: And I stopped midway
1: on those stairs <laughs> going up to the conveyor, and I thought, my God, this is going to be a great career
0: Flight <laughs> fly a tennis dress like this, you know? <laughs>
1: What had happened, and I'll never forget, she was the chairperson for the flight attendants union down in Miami. I think it was Luella or something like that. I can't think of her name now. But when I came up, of course, she saw me looking at her. And, uh, I mean, boy, was I looking at her. And, uh, And she said, there's a reason for this. And I said, well, I thought there might be. And she had taken off her uniform. And if you guys had ever flown the Convair, in the cockpit, just as you open it to go into the uh, flight deck, there's a radio rack. And that radio rack was ge- generated a lot of heat. And she had taken off her uniform, put it on hangers, and it was hanging on the rack beside the radio, drying out, because she had been caught oh. in
3: that rainstorm.
0: <laughs> True story. <laughs> All
3: right. Well, uh, doesn't it have an ending?
1: No, that's the ending. <laughs> that's the ending. She put, of course, she, before <laughs> boarding, she did have a uniform.
0: <laughs> but that was the old
1: blue one with the pillbox hat. You guys remember that?
5: Yay. Oh man. Uh, beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah.
1: Okay, now, yeah. Uh, Jim Holder, let's move on here.
3: Let's read oh. some of the email that
1: we got. Well,
3: anyhow. Thank you, Neil. I'll be glad to do it. We received uh, the following regarding future shows. John John Mills II says a show about nunskeds and his comment: World Airways, Trans International Airways, Trans America, Flying Tiger, all began as nunskeds. Seaboard World and International Airlines, Airlift International. Those are just a few of the ones that I can remember off the top of the head that had a little help from the text here, though, of course. And I'm sure I left some out. Uh, that's what he would like to do. And what, anybody got any comments about uh, doing it on that dunstead? Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, we can consider that and put it in our schedule. Yeah. All right. Uh, how about yeah. that? All
3: right. Well, here's another guy. This guy's named Tom Riley. And he said, if you're looking for aviation related, but not Pan Am, how about the story of the world's first airlines, the St. Petersburg-Tampa Airport Line? Now, I thought some years ago, Neil, that we did have a show on that. Um, yeah, owned. we
1: did. We did do a show on that years ago. Yeah. Down in Tampa. Thomas yeah. is out of luck then.
3: Yeah. All right. Next one. Well, it's James D. Petria writes. I'm not a member, as I was never employed by Eastern Airlines, but I have a good friend that passed away this past January by the name of Captain Hank Finelli, and he flew out of New York. Maybe a mention of him in your dialogue would be very nice. And thank you. And I can tell you, I knew Frank. Uh, Hank Finelli. I met him at uh, Reba conventions. He was a super nice guy, a good easy guy to talk to and know. And unfortunately, he did die about a year ago. Yeah. You know uh-huh. him, Neil? Yes, I
1: did. Yes, I did know. All right. Uh, nice
3: you know. mm-hmm. All right. Rest Am in peace. On? Yeah. Elizabeth Lisa Goldman Thompson writes. There is a Interesting book I just finished about Jack and Helen Fry, F-R-Y, last name. It's called The Camelot Years of TWA. Also reading The Greatest Stewardess Rebellion right now about how women changed the work culture in the cabin. Rebellion. Fly Girl was <laughs> released. And maybe that's some sook matter on these books. There's another guy named Harold Payne. He wants to talk about the way things go in the break room on the ramp. We've had ramp people on there before, I think, but maybe we do need to do a little bit more of them. Uh, and talk to the folks who work the ramp on well, us retirees who work the ramp. But Bud Light play
10: presents play. Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. I had somebody trying again. to <laughs> shut <laughs> me up. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> you <laughs> talking about ramp service. <laughs> Go ahead. This is
7: Liam Watlett and I was going Who to say, you we were talking about a ramp personnel. We took off out of Raleigh, headed for Dallas, on a trip, and as soon as we took off on the 727, we heard a terrible banging in the rear of the airplane, and the captain called and said we were going back to Raleigh, but the ground was missing one of its agents. So we turned around, went back to Wally, and taxi to the tarmac area, not to a gate area. And they opened the compartment, and the ramp rat was inside the bin and had been there for takeoff and landing. And as I told the passengers that we were going back for paperwork, because if we had told them that we were going back to return the employees to the ramp, they would have all gotten off.
0: With that, I gotta do this. Bud
10: Light presents Real Men of Genius.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. No. Okay, Brenda. Well, I hope I remember these. Brenda, what do you have?
4: Oh yeah. Okay. God, my turn already. Um, yeah. just a minute, I gotta find it, Neil. It skips by so quick on my computer.
0: Well, this okay. is about
4: four oh one, yeah. Go ahead. Oh yes, okay. So Barbara Rodriguez uh, wrote, I shared this 401 episode on a private group for uh, Eastern Airlines Boston and encourage others to share. I was flying only six months with EAL on that fateful even- evening. I encourage our EAL family to spread this um, around and about donations. It's very important. Sandy Pearl mm-hmm. uh, shared a post on Silverliners International. And she really nails it. Uh, This must be a priority Mm -hmm. for each chapter to give what they can. The memorial will be completed, or the memorial being completed, sorry, will give a sense of peace to everyone involved. It took 45 Mm -hmm. years to complete the memorial for for, uh, Sandy's flight, Southern 242, 45 years. Only 22 survivors and 72, there was only 22 survivors with 72 packs or people killed. The number of survivors still living now is eight. The emotional scars are for a lifetime and must be honoured and remembered to comfort always. Please donate whatever you can. God bless our industry as it is safer because of what is learned after a crash. Thanking you all in advance. Yeah, Thank you, Sandy. Carol Finzel, uh, she wrote, going to try to send your post to ex-employees of Braniff International. Yodice Frankie, I had the flight attendant Beverly, hello Beverly, um, from Eastern Flight 401 on my flight from Miami to Newark when the memorial was first erected. She slipped and injured her ankle during the ceremony. I was so fortunate to have her on my flight, and we talked the entire time. And, Mr. Producer, did we get Beverly to connect with us today?
1: Oh, yes, we
4: did. And uh, hello, <laughs>
1: hello, Beverly. <laughs> Proposa, uh, and also she brought her friend, who was a passenger on that flight. So Brenda, tell us about that, and and uh, tell us about how we're doing as far as uh, the donations for the uh, for the memorial. It's all yours, Brenda uh, Beverly.
9: Okay. Hi, Captain Neil. <laughs> Hi, Brenda. Hello. And uh, Hi. thank you so much. <laughs> um, yes. Well. Um, it, uh, exciting news. Uh, we did receive the approval from the Miami Springs uh, City Council. So we have the definite good to to go. And Captain Neil, thanks. I think you put out today, I sent you a picture and I think you put it out on Facebook. We'll be putting it out on the other side of exactly where that memorial is going to sit on that grassy median just in front of actually the Miami Springs. Um, Golf driving course, so to speak, uh, which is Curtis Parkway, right where it splits right there. And I have to go down in probably two or three weeks to meet with the city manager and pick the exact spot that it's going on. Um, but uh, we are good to go. Um, the memorial company now, uh, the materials are being ordered. And as they begin to create the memorial, they are going to send us little video snippets so that we can post those so that people actually see um you know their donations at work the memorial actually being created we are um now on track for thursday december 29th i think it's probably going to be around 1 p.m that we'll be um that we will be dedicating um there's still you know some other things to work out i've got some great volunteers um and more needed but we're working on that and um so we're doing well so you know just a couple of things this this, this memorial it, it is so important, and I agree with Sandy Pearl with that. It's so important there's so many people, you know, who had loved ones on board uh, for one that perished. You know, some of them have waited so long um, to have a memorial raised with their loved ones' names on it. And I, I agree, too, that, you know, all of us on December 29th will have that um, peace um, that we haven't had. I have been in touch uh, recently with two um, sisters that lost uh, their cousin who was seven months pregnant and her husband on that. She had a fundraiser uh, several years ago and actually has held on to the money hoping that this memorial would become a reality. Um, So she is going to go ahead and send in a check. And then um, just recently, a couple of days ago, from Peter Weingart, who has the original 401 site, um, he received and he sent me this and he said, you may want to respond to this. And, you know, Brenda, when you're saying that, and Sandy Pearl was talking about the impact, you know, yes. on survivors, and that's why we put on there of the 101 that perished and the 75 survivors. But this came in, and I'm going to call her this afternoon. And this, um, Cheryl, she said, please call me. I lost my sister that night. Wow. The pain is unbearable. She oh. was 25 years old. Uh, and uh, this is the kind of thing that is yep. so important. So before I kind of just talk just a couple of minutes on on the donations, I have Ron with me today, and you know Ron lost his bride of 20 days. And Ron, I want you to tell your story because there's so many survivors out there and families of loved ones that. This is so important, too. But can you tell us, tell everyone, how important this is to you?
6: Sure, Beverly. Um, I would love to do that. Thank you, Captain Neil, for having us on. Appreciate it. Yes. Um, yeah, I started back, um, actually, my aviation career started right after high school. I worked for Grumman Aircraft Corporation on Beth page Long Island. It was a great experience. Um, uh, part of the project was the Luna Module. Um, I think 1969 is when they finally took off and landed on the moon, and that was part of that project. It was very exciting. Then Uncle Sam called and worked um, in my uncle was a colonel United States Air Force, and he was it was a B-52 pilot, as a matter of fact. And um, he um, uh, got transferred to Washington D.C. and had a desk job finally, retiring from flying. And um, I got a call from. Uh, uh, Uncle Sam to go into the military to, to the army. I says, No, I want to go in the Air Force. I want to get my aviation career. You know, and that's what I wanted to do. And well, you know, pull some strings and I managed to wind up going into the Air Force. I was in SAC, Strategic Air Command. Uh, I was a crew chief with flying status on B 52, the D models, and KC 135 straddle tankers. Uh, did a lot of mid flight refueling. And uh, then moved back. Uh, I wanted to continue my aviation career. Uh, a lot of my friends uh, from New York uh, moved to uh, Miami. They went to UM. And I said, you know, Miami, that's where Eastern is based. I want to work for Eastern Airlines. I love Eastern Airlines. So I moved to Miami, and that's where I <clears throat> i continued my education in aviation and working at a uh, at a part-time job, going to school at the same time. And that's where I met my, my beautiful wife, uh, Lily. And um, – after two years of dating, we, uh, we got married. But aviation was always f- my, my first love as far as work goes. And um, um, Louie and I dated for about two years, and um, she was a beautiful woman, um, uh, gorgeous. I mean, inside and out, beautiful person, beautiful personality, a God-loving woman. Uh, beautiful green eyes, brown hair, just gorgeous. And um, we dated for two years, and we got married. And we, um, a lot of family members couldn't make it down from New York. So we decided to, to continue our, our honeymoon. And we flew to New York uh, to see a lot of the family members that couldn't make it up for the wedding in Miami. And um, on the way back, of course, I remembered my, my dad. I said, Dad, you know, I want to change the flight. I said, I want to move to a later flight because I want to spend more time with the family here. He said, well, whatever you want to do, son, that's fine. So I did. I changed it for the ninth. Um, was it 9:30 or 9:40 flight? PM at a Kennedy, and um, and that's what we did. And I remember going there with my dad. Took us to the airport. He came in with us. We sat down waiting for the plane. And, and the way it was, the Kennedy at that terminal, the the um, it was it was down below actually where I could see the nose of the aircraft that we were going to be boarding, and I I, I saw the three one zero, you know, on the nose. That was the tail number, 310. And we finally boarded the plane, and it was gorgeous. It was a beautiful, beautiful L-1011. And our uh, seats were we way in the back, which I didn't care, really. We were in the middle aisle. And um, the captain gets on, on board, and he, and he announces himself as Captain Loft. Um, and I, I turned to Lily, and I said, Lily, I hope he stays aloft joking around. God knows what happened, you know, two and a half hours later. So um, it was a beautiful flight. No events, and Beverly could tell you, you know, they didn't get a call back from the captain. They were having a gear problem. So I remember saying to Lily, I said, honey, there's a control tower. I said, we're making a go around. we was moving number one, maybe 200 feet off the, off the runway, off the ground. And I says, don't worry about it. This this happens a lot of times. Probably a lot of traffic in the area, you know. I remember seeing downtown Miami lights to my right. And I says, sure enough. I said, we're making a go around. We're going back out west over the Everglades. We didn't know what was going on up front. And, of course, everybody knows the story of what happened. So just before, prior to the crash, I have to go to the restroom. I says, okay, go ahead. And if you come back, he says, "I oh, no, honey, I'll just move over. So we change changed seats, okay? I don't have nothing to do with it or not, but that's beside the point. But it's a series of events. So all of a sudden, you know, we hit and, uh, you know, spending four or five hours in the swamp with no clothes on and severe injuries. They finally picked me up by helicopter and brought me to Hylia Hospital. But, um, you know, it was, it was a – being in the aviation, though, know, it was a very traumatic experience um, you know, flying combat missions and what have you, and nothing happens, you know, and you're coming back from your honeymoon in a brand-new plane. So it's really changed my life quite a bit enough that um, I have a contract now with Thomas Nielsen Publishing Company to, to write my memoir, a story of my life, starting from the rummage aircraft to the military. I started my own airline. I did start a commuter airline about uh, five years after the accident. Uh, we were an interest bay carrier. We had three aircraft that we leased, and um, unfortunately, the the recession hit, and the interest rates went up to sky high, 21%, 22%, and we just couldn't make it. So we had to dissolve the airline at the time. But it is my first love and always will be my my love, and my life is the aviation business, even though that's not what I'm in now. But um, I am in the process of writing a a nonfiction book about my life during the crash, (laughs) by Trials and Triumphs. It's going to be called Descent into Darkness, A Plane Crash Survivor's Memoirs of Trials and Triumphs.
9: And I promise
6: Lily, by her gravesite, that this book that I'm going to write eventually is going to get published. I just know it is. And I think it could be made out of a movie as well. It's going to be dedicated to my beloved wife, Sarah Lily Infantino de la Rosa, in loving memory and a promise kept. Mhm. you mm-hmm. I appreciate it. I appreciate
0: it. Great to on Great And
1: yes. and Ron, when that happens, we'd love to interview you for your book on the radio. Right Thank the you show. very
6: much. You know, it's the 50 years, it to be 50 years and there's not
9: a day that goes by that it doesn't
6: cross my mind, believe it or not. It's a very traumatic yep.
0: experience. Yes.
9: Yeah, and Ron, that 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 really is, you know, Captain Neil. I'll just take a couple more minutes. That is for all of us. Fifty years, but for all of us who are impacted by that, by the crash, whether we are survivors or family members or loved ones uh, that perished that night, it still it still is. I know I've carried these folks. Uh, you know, in my heart for 101 years, uh, 100, uh, the 101 folks for 50 years, and as I know many have, so it's so important to so many of us who like the stories with Ron, it's just so uh, so hard, so I I just want to say thank you so much, first of all, to all of you. Who have already donated? Oh my gosh, we are so appreciative of your donate, of your day in donations. Um, but we just need to uh, some help to get to that the final goal. Uh, We have to raise the rest of the uh, uh, money for the installation and for that concrete slab it has to sit on. So if you haven't um, sent your check already or gone online, if you could please do so as soon as possible. And remember, there's there's no amount that's too small. I mean, whatever you can give, we all are so appreciative of that. And I know the information for donations, is on the um, site. Don't forget, they are all donations are tax-deductible. And Gail said, by the way, the Executive Director of National Air Disaster Foundation said she is working on getting out donation acknowledgement. She's going to be away for the next two weeks, uh, starting Wednesday, but she is getting out acknowledgement. So thank you so much, Captain Neal. That's our update. Um, When I come on, um, hopefully come back on, we will uh, actually maybe have a little snippet at that point. Uh, to show you but thank you so much to everybody who's donated and please, yes. please, please help us to get to our goal to raise just the rest of that money that we need to have. So Did thanks I for Neil. Yeah. Okay, okay. So Ann, you, had you had something needed. that you
0: wanted to say. Go
1: ahead.
7: Yeah, just said are how you... much more, more money is needed yeah. to uh, complete what you need to have done with a certain with the monument.
9: We are um with the anticipation of the um of the concrete slab we okay. have got to get at least to about i would say about another $2500 until we okay. have that, until we are you know complete so to speak for mm-hmm. that um that's for the installation plus the slab that has to go down um on that
1: i would like to uh, suggest that, that before uh, we leave uh, the subject uh, i received a beautiful model a Ravel model of, of a Eastern Airlines DC-3, and many of you have seen that. See one that's in the Smithsonian, hanging from the ceiling at Smithsonian. And uh, Don Gagnon, uh, Don and Dorothy Gagnon used to be uh, on the show as host, and he sent me this, suggesting that we give it to uh, the person that uh, that sends in the largest sum of money. However, that's mm-hmm. impossible to track. And, uh, so I thought maybe we could auction it off, uh, in the next few shows, oh, uh, auction it idea. off and, and, and mm-hmm. put a, put a time limit, but it is a beautiful model. I built one of these myself and don't know, we've moved so many times over the years that, uh, I'm sure it crashed in some, some home's garage mm-hmm. and, uh, but, uh, it's a beautiful DC three and it's, a it's, it's a large model. It's, it's, a It's, it's, I think it'll bring a pretty good amount. It's unassembled. It's still in the kit with the plastic wrap, never been opened. And uh, Don, if you're listening, Don Gagnon, thank you very much for sending that to me and with the suggestion that uh, we use this in order to assist in raising funds for the Memorial.
4: And if I may say, uh, that's great, Neil, first of all, but Beverly, um, if you can send me even a picture or something, I can put it in the falls magazine because it'll be you know, I'll obviously cover the unveiling in the spring magazine. But mm-hmm. in the fall
9: I can get Wonderful. something in there.
4: Great.
9: Okay. Great. So And I know you got Brenda, my email, it's uh, Mercy, in the book. Yes, and you know what? Um, Mercy is actually gonna contact you. Um She okay. might not have had a chance yet. She was gonna contact you and get in touch with that. And uh, see if she could put a little article with the with the picture and all in it. So I'll follow oh, her bet. after the show. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you. Okay. Oh, thank you. Okay. Very good. Well,
1: that's thank you, Ron, and uh, Beverly you. for being with us today. And we hope that uh, we can get you back uh, often up into the dedication, which my wife and I hope that we're healthy enough to join you in the celebration of, of this. Uh, a long-awaited uh, uh, monument right. that, uh, that would mean so Thank much you, to that. the Eastern family.
8: Thank you, General. Thank you. Thank
6: you
8: okay,
1: um, let's see. i got a couple of area codes here. I want to see if we've talked to you. Area code 908. That's Sharon. Sharon Moore, right, yep. Sharon? Yep. That's me. I'm
8: here. Oops. Okay.
1: How do you like it so far, Sharon? Is this your first time
8: listening in? No, the first time I listened in was the one about Branna. Okay. Cause All right. Because my father-in-law used to fly for Branna. He was a character. Okay. All right. And let's see, Erico239,
1: who might that be? Well, 239, <laughs> just <laughs> listening
12: Go ahead yeah, That's David, David Manley from Fort Myers
1: Hey David, how are you?
12: I'm doing fine I'm I'm new to the channel So I'm I was just listening in And trying to catch up a little bit of all the old Eastern stuff And this, this is nice, nice program
1: Good, were you formerly with Eastern?
12: I was with Eastern from uh, 1979 to 1991 In uh, Gainesville, Florida And also in Fort Myers Regional Southwest Okay all right.
1: Just, what, what, just, yeah, go ahead.
12: But yeah, I just turned 65, and I was trying to find out about benefits and things like that. If there's anything that's available for us as as uh, uh, Eastern okay. employees?
1: Yeah, I have called and asked Michael Zoll to be on our next show, and he's volunteered to do that. So we're going to have Michael next week, and he'll tell us about what's available to us. Uh, if, uh, probably not very much, but uh, at e- any rate, uh, past privileges are still out there, I think. So uh, Michael mm-hmm. will be with us in uh, talking about that next show, uh, among other topics that we'll be talking about. But
12: uh, it, sorry we can't get it also, to you
1: this time.
12: Okay, no problem. Is there also a directory of Eastern employees? I'd like to locate some of my old friends in Gainesville and Fort Myers. And I'm trying to, you know, it's kind of hard. It's been, it's been, you know, some time since I've been able to communicate with them. Oh,
1: well, I can put that out on the Internet and see if on Facebook. I think you probably have already done that. And right. uh, hopefully you'll get some response for that. Sometimes right. it's I slow and coming, slow incoming. coming. But uh, <laughs> be patient, be patient. Yes. Uh, yes, it is. And I guess that's about all we've got for uh, our hour. We've gone over our hour just about a few minutes. So we're going to uh, see if we can safely get the airplane down. We've got some surprises here as we go off the air. you. Uh, we used to do this uh, a few years back, right, Margaret, as far as landing the airplane and so forth?
2: Oh, yes, and we were good at it.
1: We were good. We were really good. Well, let's see if the crew are as good as we once were. All right. And uh, so I'm going to see if I can find where I am and how we want to terminate this or end it. I think I'm going to turn it over to, well, maybe Luann's got something to to say about it. Uh, No, Jim Holder's got something. Well, no. I got to go up here and turn it over to the captain of the flight, who is Captain Jim Harris. All right, Jim Harris, it's your time now.
5: Okay, here we are, uh, Captain Holder. Would you make the thanks for flying with us today? Now, to some call F. A. Lou Ann up to come up to the flight deck.
3: Uh, sure, Captain Harris, folks. We're approaching the airport from the east, and we'll be landing in about 10 minutes. It's been a pleasure again having you with us today, and the weather here at Atlanta is just perfect, clear and 40 to 70 degrees. You me. Oh, oh Lou Ann, our young captain wants you to come up to the flight deck. Anyhow, okay. we will be passing uh, just north of Stone Mountain today. If you're on the left-hand side, you can look out and see it. It's a very, very popular place to visit in Atlanta, but... Us pilots. Thought to take it for granted. <laughs> Luann, are you heading up there?
8: <laughs> hey, I'm on my
2: way. Hey guys. Did you want to see me Captain JP?
5: <laughs> oh yes. Oh yes.
1: Yes what? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
5: <laughs> yes, Luann, uh, we got a call from Flight bit. opposite a person by the name of Luther Perkins wants you to call him when you get in, when we get in. You know what it's all about, or is it personal?
9: Heck, no,
2: it's not personal. But that there guy thinks he can call me at work any even when I'm on the trip. I swear, if it's not an emergency, he can just look for another dance card because his is about to be punched.
1: (laughs) Flight 59, (laughs) this is Atlanta Tower. Uh, You're clear to land runway 10. Wind is
3: 080 degrees at 10 knots. All right, uh, Flight 59, we're coming in on a wing of a prayer. (laughs)
0: There's
3: a wheel hitting the runway
1: I think I think Luanne wants to, to uh, beat Coming in, in the and, uh, on a wing be...
0: and
12: a prayer Coming in on a wing and a prayer Though there's one motor gone We can still carry on Coming in on a wing and a prayer
11: What a show our target for tonight, As we, we sing as we limp through the air, look below,
12: there's our field over there, with our full crew aboard and our trust in the Lord, we're coming in on a wing
11: and a prayer.
12: limp through the air Look below, there's a field over there With our full crew aboard And our trust in the Lord We're coming
0: in <laughs> It's Earl's time to sing <laughs> oh, Yes see us <laughs> see ya Silver you. Wings, Thank you Shining in the sun
11: Roaring engines headed somewhere in the flight. They're taking you away and leaving me lonely. Silver wings slowly fading out of sight. Don't me, I cry Don't take that airplane ride But you locked me out of your mind And left me standing here
0: behind
11: Silver I'm wearing black, they're taking you away, leaving me lonely,
1: Well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much, uh, host and guest. We appreciate you showing up, and it was a great show.
9: Thank yes, you. It Thanks, having Neal. It was a great show.
11: See you next week. Taking you away and leaving me lonely, silver wing, slowly fading out of sight, slowly fading out of sight. See you guys. Bye. Bye
9: -bye. (laughs) Bye-bye.